Hey everybody, this is Jeff Stanek with Figured Out Baseball. I've got a really good Figured Out Baseball podcast for you today that I'm very excited to get into the conversation. Uh, we've got Brandon Golden on the phone with us today on the podcast. He's an assistant strength and conditioning coach at East Carolina, really good Division One program uh, in North Carolina. And he's got a great background, and from my conversations I've had with him in the past, he's he's got it just really really gets it, which is probably why he's at the level that he is. So I think it's a great one to tune into if you're interested in the in the strength and conditioning side of things. Uh, I'll give you a background on Coach Golden before we get into questions with him and just let you know where he's been and, and where he's come from. He graduated from East Carolina in 2012 with a degree in kinesiology. He spent 2013, I'm sorry, 2012 and 2013 as a volunteer strength coach at High Point University, a uh, Division I program in High Point, North Carolina. He spent the spring semester of 2014 as a volunteer strength coach at Mississippi State, spent the summer of 2014 as a volunteer strength coach at Wake Forest, and then from the fall of 2014 through the spring of 16, he was a graduate assistant sports performance coach at St. John's University in New York City. While he was there, he was the strength coach for the baseball team, women's tennis, golf, men's soccer, women's track and field. Uh, while he was there, he got his master's degree in sports management. In the summer of 2015, while he was at St. John's, he spent that summer uh, of 15 as a strength coach, uh, strength and conditioning coach with USA Baseball. In the fall of 2016, after graduation from St. John's, he was a strength coach, spent one semester as a strength coach at Charleston Southern, a Division I program in, in Charleston, South Carolina. And then he was hired at ECU in January of 2017 officially. He's been there since. Um, he is currently the strength coach for the baseball program as well as women's soccer at ECU. He's the coordinator for the internship program. He's certified through CSCCA, NSCA, through TPI, and with Precision Nutrition. Brandon Golden, appreciate you spending some time with us today on the podcast. Absolutely, Jeff. Thanks for having me. <clears throat> um, I usually like to start with something that kind of stands out from your bio, um, and for you, I guess you've been at, uh, at a handful of different places, um, and now you've kind of gotten to make the strength and conditioning program for the baseball team at East Carolina, you know, a chance to make that yours. Uh, what are some things that you learned along the way at your, you know, multiple stops as an assistant where you're working under some people? Uh, do you have anything specifically that you learned from some other people that has kind of helped you to come up with uh, maybe what your own philosophy is for strength, strength training in the baseball world? Yeah, uh, that's, that's a great question. Uh, a lot of what I've learned is one of my, my mentors who was, he was actually the main basketball strength coach at St. John's when I, when I first got there as a GA, Pat, Pat Dixon. Uh, one of the things he told me was, you know, throughout your whole career, you'll learn what to do, what not to do, and how to treat people. And I think, uh, though that wasn't necessarily like the X's and O's of how I'm going to make sure the my pitcher scapula is rotating upwardly and all that good stuff. It was it, it was an opportunity to learn from everybody, regardless if you if you agreed with their uh, their periodization or the way they train athletes or the certain cues they give. It, it was a a really good thing that's molded me, and it's something that I've used today, and it's it's still something that I I teach our interns. I'm like, hey, like there may be something that I teach you that you don't like, and that's fine. Um, but it's what to do, what not to do, and then how to treat people. And I think that's one of the biggest things. And then um, Brian Neal that I worked for at Mississippi State, who's at Virginia Tech now, has been a huge influence on me. Ryan Billings, um, who was my mentor at High Point. Andrew Crossley, who's the head guy at High Point now. 
Tim right away for us, Chad Scott, and then everybody here at East Carolina, the whole entire staff uh, that's directed by Coach John Williams has, has been huge influences for me because I'm I'm able to discuss what I'm thinking in my head, and I think a lot of us as coaches always have a plan and a way that we're going to do things, and we're looking at when our games are. We're trying to take into account every single factor that our student athletes are going to going to encounter and being able to bounce the ideas off the staff at East Carolina has been huge for me because some, a lot of times they'll look at things and say, hey, well, well, Brandon, you got a great plan, but did you think about this? Or did you think about, well, there's certain little things that I, I sometimes miss over. I, I think I'm pretty good at, at looking over the, the big picture a lot of times, but there's sometimes those small little things that I didn't even think about with it when it comes to constructing a training program to where you know, I, I got those people that are so brilliant that they just bounce those ideas back to me and say, hey, well, that, that all sounds great, but just think about it in this, this aspect. So it, it's been great. I've had a, a lot of great mentors, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Chad Scott as well. I, Chad actually let us live with him and, his family when we were in Charleston, so uh, I've, I've been very lucky. And there's many others. It's not the whole list, but we'd be here forever just talking about his been an impact in my life uh, as far as strength and conditioning goes, but there's been a ton of them. Right now, when we're recording this, we are in the quarantine phase uh, where every, you know most people, most states, I, I believe maybe all states are on a stay-at-home order. Uh, so you know, kids aren't able to go to the gym. They're not able to go to their school and work out. Um, people are, are having to do some things to come up with, uh, you know, having to be creative at home to try to find ways to continue to work out. Um, I'm sure you've seen some of these things, but I've I've seen, you know, videos of people on social media where guys will, you know, put a put a couple of hay bales on the end of a of some sort of a bar uh, or a pipe or whatever, and, or or guys will throw a couch on their back and uh, you know and do some squats or uh, you see a lot of that kind of stuff. What would you suggest for people that are home right now? Um, that, that maybe don't have access to any weights, or if they do, you know, very minimal type stuff. I know that you are working on some uh, some programs that you plan to put on Figure It Out, which we're excited to get. But but in the meantime, or even if someone's listening to this and maybe they just they want to do something different, anything you'd recommend that that is a focus focal point right now uh, with limited things available, just trying to keep on track and, and trying to not lose. Maybe, uh, you know, for guys that, that have made some good gains over the last year or two, and, and right now they're worried about losing those gains, do um, you have any advice or suggestions for that that player right now? Yeah, absolutely. We were, like you said, we'll, we'll have some videos that will be coming out soon that will talk about various isometric holds, which is just like a static hold in various positions, uh, some eccentric training where it's a uh, tempo on the, the lowering aspect of the movement, but... One of the biggest things that I would say right now, Jeff, is just to just to be creative and to go out and like we have our head coach talk to one of our outfielders and he's like, hey man, just get a get an axe and go out and chop down some trees. Like, just be creative because this is the only time in my career and, and hopefully the only time in, in our athletes' careers and in the future that we will ever have to deal with something like this. So, it's a great opportunity to get back to training is something that's fun and it's not necessarily something that has to be, it's not something that's boxed in excuse me, it's not something that's boxed into this one um, stereotype of like, we're going to do free weight training ground based movements like you know when I get my recruiting, my recruiting speeches like we have a certain way we train in East Carolina um, but 
but that's not the case because we're not training at East Carolina. So um, everybody's training from their homes or in their backyards or whatever the case may be. We were we actually had a Zoom call with the team the other day, and I told them, uh, hey, dig a hole and fill the hole back up. Like, just be creative as much as possible. I was planting a garden with my wife and son, and, you know, I'm tilling up the backyard. I borrowed a neighbor's tiller, and the thing is, it's, uh, I live out in the, the country a little bit in Aid, North Carolina, right outside Greenville. So, you know, there's some old older folks on my road that uh, were previous farmers back in the day and grew up on a farm. So I got this huge tiller in the hoe, and I'm digging up these garden beds. And my two-year-old looks at me and he's like, Daddy, this is hard work. And I'll put, I'll put that into one of the videos. They can go out there just so everybody can see that. But it was hard work. And, and I was sore in places that I, I wouldn't be sore from, from doing barbell rows or doing dumbbell rows or doing some of the things that I'm normally used to doing in the weight room. So, um, yeah, Jeff, I, I think we can just be creative and find ways and find implements around the house to, to continue to train and get things going in the right direction. And it, it doesn't have to be a certain way. And, it, and I think a very common thing right now is, is athletes are feeling, it's just like all of us are, um, a little bit of a little bit of anxiety, probably. Of when is this going to end? What is this going to look like? When are we going to play again? Um, I know some some summer league may not play. A couple may have announced that they're not going to play. So when are we going to be able to play baseball again? When are we going to be able to train? And and that's that's completely understandable. So I think my biggest message is let's go out and be creative and just make sure you're doing something. So when when you're able to train with your coaches, whether that's your strength coach or your baseball coach, that you you are able to to do the drills and, and to do the training that they're asking you to do. Like day one, it, it would be nice for you to be able to you know be able to go out and take ground balls once you can get back to a field. Everybody's gonna be ready to go. It's gonna be a long long wait um, and a long hiatus coming from from this situation that we're in. So do your best, reach out, um, and be creative. So basically, they just need to be Rocky from Rocky Four, where yeah. he. <laughs> How hard is that? I actually really, I was kind of cracking up when you said, uh, "Just go dig a hole and fill it back in." And um, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure in certain neighborhoods, as a disclaimer, in certain neighborhoods, you're not allowed to go cut down trees necessarily. But yeah. just go, in, go out in the woods somewhere where nobody's going to see you. And. Definitely, just be creative. And if you, if you got paint cans or anything like that, you can do curls. You can do single arm presses. You can do bomber's walks. Like there's, you can do squats, holding different things. But you'd be surprised if you just look around your house. The book bag is great. Um, there's all kinds of videos all over social media about you know people filling up book bags and doing rows with them and doing lunches and all kinds of various things. So just look around for what you can do and and, and don't feel like it has to be a certain, like it has, it has to fit a certain mold because there's, there's no mold for what we're dealing with right now. I saw somebody post on social media maybe a week or two ago, um, on, it was on Twitter, and it's a guy that has a pretty good following, he's a baseball coach, and uh, he posted something about, like, if I'm, if I'm a high school player right now, I'm, I'm spending my time lifting like a football player, and that might put a different uh, image into different people's minds. But to me, that um, the image it put into my mind was 
that I'm going to, you know, crush the bench press and, and, and my arms and, think, and just, you know, think of what a linebacker looks like. And, um, and it, and it may be, you know, maybe that's right. Maybe it's wrong. But I'd like to get your opinion about it and just see if, um, uh, I, I guess what's different between how a football player might lift, how a baseball player might lift as a high school player, uh, do you need to be on a baseball-specific lifting program or is, quote-unquote, lifting like a football player, whatever that means exactly, is that uh, a good advice at this point? Just wanted to get a, a, you know, the, the opinion of a, of a professional. Yeah, that's, honestly, that's a question I get and, and our, our coaches get all the time. Is what type of lifting should, should they be doing at the high school level? And, and really, um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of jump in and talk about like some different movement patterns, but... For me, it's all about movement at that level, um, and, and what's it was what's termed long-term athletic development. So, for me, those movement patterns are going to be the squat, the hinge, a lunge variation, uh, a push-up, and then a horizontal, horizontal row, whether that's the PRX or using towels in the door, or using a, a broom across some chairs, whatever it may be, just a supine facing up uh, type row. So. When you get when you get to talking about lifting weights at, at that level and, and honestly at any level, um, to me it's all about technique and it's done efficiently and proficiently. So like we want uh, we want movement that's executed properly from a body weight standpoint, uh, which, which I'll refer to as internal load. So if if you're an athlete and you're doing a body weight squat and your knees are collapsing and you just don't have good technique all the way around, it's not going to be possible for you know, put a barbell or hold a kettlebell with you in that external load and then be successful in that instance. So for me, it, it's not as much lifting like a certain athlete, a football player, basketball player, baseball player. At that level, it's about being an efficient mover. And if you're an efficient mover, by the time you get to me, then I'll be able to add strength and I'll be able to add, um, add weight onto the bar and that's I tell recruits and I tell anybody at that age that that's the, literally the easiest part of my job um, is somebody coming in that when I have an efficient mover come in getting them strong is, is a pretty easy thing to do I mean they're 18 to 22 years old male baseball players um, their hormones are, are rolling and doing what they need to do from that end to um to assist me with gaining that strength and that power and all of that good stuff that comes with weight training. But the biggest thing to me is, is don't necessarily fall into the category of I need to be doing this certain specific program. And you'll see a lot of um, personal trainers or various people, and this is, this is not a shot at anybody uh, on Twitter or, or anybody that runs the whatever type of private skills business it's just my uh, my experience is that I've seen people say uh, oh well my son's on this baseball specific program and they're not efficient movers nor are they efficient baseball players so I think um, when you kind of get into that aspect of it the, the, the program needs to be a just a specific program or a branding goal specific program. It needs to be something that's going to be geared towards you if you're going to go out and um, seek one of those programs. But I think 
kind of like we'll talk about in these videos is you just got to move well. It's so hard. It makes everything a lot harder for the athletes when they get to this level if they don't have a proficient squat form or a push-up form because everything's built off of those movements. Fielding a ground ball, spring um, from home to first, like all of the basic movement patterns that are ingrained in us at a young age are either ingrained in a proper way and, and they can be built upon or they have to be broken down, rebuilt, and then build up, uh, if that makes sense, once they get to the collegiate or professional level. So, You've mentioned movement patterns. Uh, that's a term that, in my estimation, has only, you know, it's only been around for a handful of years. It's not something that when I was in college as a player or even as a college coach, I don't know if I ever remember hearing that term. Uh, and I left my last year of coaching was 2014. I don't, and again, I don't know that I ever heard that phrase until I was out of college baseball. Uh, could you, and you've mentioned it and it kind of, you know, I'm sure it puts somewhat of a picture in people's minds, but could you give maybe a simplistic definition of what exactly movement pattern means and why that is important for people to to understand and kind of has have as a focus uh, during the during weight training. Yeah. So when people talk about movement patterns, uh, they'll talk about like the squat pattern, the bench pattern, the push up pattern, and, and to try to simplify, what, what we'll do right here is we'll talk about the squat. So, um, so the pattern is your feet are the only thing touching the ground. So your feet are in contact with the ground. You, you have various joints, your ankle, your knee, and your hip that are involved in doing, executing the pattern. Um, if your brain can't send a message to your body and do that movement efficiently and recruit the proper motor units and muscles to fire in, in a proper sequence, then the movement will be what some people call like a faulty movement pattern or you'll have other motor units and other muscles trying to do somebody else's job because they're overactive or whatever. There's all kinds of different reasons why. Um, but it's just basically allowing the muscles that are, are meant to do a certain job to do their job and the other ones to, to hang out and not do their job until they're required, if that makes sense. So I, I had a player, a former player, when I was a high school coach that, uh, you know, I was no expert in the weight room, but I, I would bring in weight programs that I had, you know, from, from my college coaching days or, or whatever and just uh, felt like we had a pretty good program together. We had a player that I can specifically remember that, that did some weight training at home. It's not like he was unfamiliar to the weight room, uh, and his dad was pretty big into weightlifting. But when he did his squats, for example, he he was on the balls of his feet when he was, you know, in the downward phase of, of the squat. Uh, and I would tell him that I you're supposed to be on, uh, uh, you know, on your – keep your foot flat and drive up to your heels. And that's just – the only reason I knew that is because I would, you know, Google a how-to video and, and just try to make sure I could help my players the best I could. Um, but for whatever reason, it's just had a really hard time sinking into him. And, and just as far as, like – I guess why these things are so important for someone like that who's got weight on his back. Uh, you know, he would he would squat with a decent amount of weight, but just you know, his, I know he didn't end up in a bad posture. But why is that something that needs to be a real focal point for guys, especially when they're kind of beginning their weightlifting journey? 
Yeah, so really it's a, it's a compilation and a progression of the movement, the body weight squat movement pattern. Um, so you externally load it and then you have, you know, a, a different stimulus place on the body, which is that weight. And if you're, like I said, the only thing that's in contact with the ground, that can, you're applying force into the ground and the force, the, the ground's applying that force back up into you. Uh, you know, is your feet and then in contact with the ground. Um, so if you're rolling up towards the balls of your feet, you're, you're, you're distributing force in a way that you don't necessarily want to distribute. You're, you're kind of putting that towards the, the patella uh, as opposed to the, the quad musculature and the glutes and the hamstrings of where you're trying to train your muscles. You're not trying to put a, a shearing force at, at the knee. Gotcha. Uh, as far as the baseball specific lift, I know that uh, there's got to be some, you know, there's got to be something that's a little different about baseball as com- as compared to some of these other sports. In baseball uh, lifting, is there anything that should be more of a focal point? We, you know, when you're able to have a, uh, access to a, I guess, a full weight room, uh, should there be more focus on on some muscle groups than others, or or less focus somewhere else than other sports may have? Just as far as like kind of defining what a quote unquote baseball specific lift should be a good one, you know what what are the focal points? Yeah, I think one that, that you know people can even even work on now um, is, is the rowing pattern, so the upper body rowing, the pulling pattern. Um, so for that, anytime your arm is moving, so your shoulder blade should be moving with it. So when I first started in training conditioning with we were teaching the single arm dumbbell row. It was uh, let me pack my shoulder blade down and just move my arm and try to, you know, get the musculature on the back as, as big and strong as possible. Well, kind of like we were talking about um, some of those squat patterns. If it's if it's not happening and it's happening in a timely fashion, efficiently, um, then there's no way it's going to transfer to the game or to the sport, which is the whole point of training. So. Uh, anytime you're doing a, in a row, and I'll, I'll get some videos this as well for the same, but anytime you're doing a row, you want that shoulder blade to be able to move at the same time as that demonstration. So that's some stuff when I was a GA at the St. John's, I got the, the chance to just some time with uh, Eric Crespi of Massachusetts, and you know, he, he taught me a lot, and just I'm learning a lot from him about the how the shoulder functions and you know a lot of things like that. So that's what I would say is, is the biggest thing. Uh, make sure the scapula can do its job. You said earlier that so we from some of your early answers, I had like three different ways I want to go. I wanted to go, so I'll I'll kind of hit the third one here. Uh, you said that if you've got somebody that's putting together a program for you, they kind of need to know a little bit about you, the person. You know, it needs to be a, a Jeff Stanek specific program or a Brandon Golden specific program because of just my own personal um, abilities or or inabilities. Uh, but for with the figured out baseball website, in ge- you know, generally speaking, it's not uh, it's not individualized. They're not individualized programs. It's more about you know offering something on a free platform that is out there for everybody, and then and then it's up to the individual to kind of find even if it's a hitting or pitching drill, or infield defensive drill or whatever to find things that work uh, and things you're comfortable with. But in this situation with the strength programs that we offer, again, it's not. Uh, written for the individual. Um, is there anything that an individual should kind of 
know going into this or like if they, for example, when you post the, the workout programs that you want to post, um, it's not written specifically for me or for anybody else. Is there anything I need to know kind of going into that to, uh, to, to sort of curate it to be specific to me or is it okay for me? Like if I'm a 16 year old, is it okay for me and, and a good thing for me just to kind of jump in and do what a strength coach tells me to do? just because that's kind of the best thing I, I have at hand? Or, or is there any way that I could sort of make it individualized to myself? Uh, maybe that's a really broad question for you, but, but just something I think that, you know, when people hear your answer that, that you know, a specific program to you is the best thing, it, well, this might be the, but what's on Figured Out Baseball might be the best thing they have available to them just for financial reasons or, or whatever, or who lives around them. But is there any way they can kind of uh, make it a specific program for themselves or, is it just is it good enough? I guess for a lot of people to uh, to follow a program that was written for a larger audience. Yeah, I would tell them to reach out to their to their baseball coaches and ask them what what do I need to improve upon to be a better player. Um, so, for example, we've had you know with, with my role you know here at ECU, I'm at practice. I'm, I'm doing a lot of things where I can see what, what our players are doing and see some of the deficiencies. But I also have conversations with our, our head coach and our your assistant coaches who are, I'm sitting there watching ground balls or, you know, bullpens or whatever the case may be, and I'm watching, and then I'm also hearing them tell me, hey, he needs to be able to do it. He needs to be able to sit. He can't sit low enough to feel these ground balls. He's sitting too high. He's sitting too high. So I know hip mobility needs to be, you know, a priority for that individual or, uh, one of our pitchers maybe not be able to, to get out front when you're pitching like trying to pitch and pitch like come to the work they're not they're not able to finish the way I want. And then I'm able to do some things in the weight room. Um, I think understanding who you are as a baseball player can help you make these exercises more specific. Uh, so if you understand what are what are some of the qualities that you need to work on, then these videos will be will be specific to you because we'll have some, have some, not know they won't be written, written specifically for you in mind as an individual, but they will be written for that um, that quality that you were trying to develop. So, like you said, Jeff, I think what, what you're trying to do with this um, platform is phenomenal because there are a lot, of, a lot of people that don't have the resources for whatever reason to be able to get good quality training in. This is an opportunity for them to learn who they are, uh, be a little bit more vulnerable, and it also shows for coaches at whatever level they're at that they're they're dedicated, they're interested in, in, in developing themselves to to make the team better so they can win more games. So that's what I would say is ask ask what you need to work on. Video yourself taking ground balls. Uh, video yourself hitting. Video yourself pitching. Watch it, dissect it, see if that's exactly what you wanted it to look like or expected it to look like and um, you go from there and then we'll have some videos on the website that'll address various problems and if you don't see one that you have let us know and we'll, we'll make one up so another thing just kind of thinking about that lifting the football lifting program is that i think in baseball it's probably more maybe maybe i'm incorrect but but maybe more important to be to keep your you know to be mobile and to have muscles that are um that are long I guess, and to, you know, especially for a, for a pitcher, right? so many times you see pitchers. You mentioned hip mobility, and you watch younger guys, and uh, 
like on the on the figured out uh, Facebook page, for example, like we'll see videos of, of kids pitching and a lot, they just look they look so stiff. Um, how much do you work on mobility when guys get to campus? And maybe that's something that guys could be doing right now as well is just you know finding uh, uh, I don't know a, a, a yoga instructor on YouTube somewhere that that is pretty good. But when you get guys on campus, do you do you feel like generally speaking guys are are need to work on mobility when they get there or or do you feel like the athletes you get uh do seem to focus on that pretty well or their mobility is is pretty good or just you know what's your take on that and is that something that you think could be a good focal point right now just with guys being stuck at home yeah i think mobility is is a thing that is huge um for us especially when they first get here now we've we've had some guys that come in and that are super mobile, and some guys that come in and that are locked up, and that's kind of we hit those as individually as possible once they get here. But yeah, Jeff, I think right now is a perfect time to restore or and or um, improve those mobility um, issues that you may have. Thoracic mobility is huge, and I'll, I'll get some videos up of that. But if you want me to just do a simple YouTube search of. T-spine, thoracic mobility, hip mobility, um, those things are huge for you. And if you can improve upon that right now, if that's something that you've been lacking as an athlete, then once we come out of this, you'll, you'll be that much ahead of where you would have been uh, if we were playing right now. On the figured out uh, website right now, we've got a really good shoulder mobility program. We don't have one that's specifically like a whole program for hips. But there are a couple of videos that that do give some hip mobility um, ideas as well, or, or sort of like a, a a pattern you can go through, you can follow. So there are some things like that on the site. Um, if if a guy is looking for something like that, uh, so other things that impact your your gains, um, you know, for young guys, you're going through strength training. I know that one of the big things that you that you hear, but I don't know that young kids really put enough emphasis on this or maybe understand it well enough is the role that nutrition and basically, you know, bottom line, how much you're eating when your metabolism is really fast. Uh, how much is that nutritional part of aspect of things? How much is that uh, a factor in being able to add muscle and, and to put on good weight for, for young, for young kids with that, you know, with the high metabolism? Nutrition is everything. So um, I, I can't do my job and I can't be successful in what I'm doing at, at East Carolina without our nutritionist and dietitian, uh, Christina Parrish. And she is she's awesome and she makes sure that our guys have what they need uh, and our, all of our student athletes at ECU uh, what they need. So without nutrition, you're you're fighting a battle that you're never going to win. Um, if you're if people and, and like you said, Jeff, I don't I don't know that athletes at the younger levels completely understand uh, how important it is because and then we can talk about sleep too if you want but nutrition and sleep go hand in hand and um, it's the body is a, a constant chemistry or, excuse me chemistry experiment if you think about it along with the math equation when it when it comes to um, gaining weight gaining muscle um, increasing strength and things like that it's calories out and calories in so if you're not doing your part um, after the training session, um, you're, you're really missing out. And what we talk to our athletes about here is, is what's going on the other 22, 23 hours of the day uh, that you're not with us in the weight room. So you might live for an hour, two hours at the most, 
what are you doing those other hours of the day to make sure that you're you're going to recover, um, you're fueling your body to be ready to go the next day and continue on for an extended amount of time because that's that's really where you see the gains in, in anything in life is consistency. So without that consistency as far as training, sleep, and nutrition, you don't stand a chance in being an elite-level athlete. Without going into a, like an entire spiel, about what guys should be eating. Do you have maybe just a couple of suggestions? Um, is it just like you just need to eat, 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 whatever you can kind of get your hands on, like the old the old adage, you know, you got to eat big to get big. Are there certain uh, things that you recommend, uh, you know, a guy that's maybe maybe comes in and he wants to put on 20 pounds of muscle that like, okay, if you eat, if you eat a lot of this and this, this will help you a lot. Do you have any kind of like quick tips about for someone who might be in that in that place right now? Um, yeah, I got I got some guidelines. I mean, yeah, like you said, like I'm, I'm a strength and conditioning coach and not a nutritionist, but I think lean meats like chicken are always good. Chicken's always a good option. Uh, you know, rice, pasta. I think the uh, the big thing is is how can you make your meals um, calorically dense, and that's that's a term that dietitians use a lot to to ensure that our our athletes are getting everything they can out of their meals so at our level and, and even at the high school level there's not a lot of time for for these athletes to sit down and eat however many meals a day they they need to eat to accomplish their goals but being consistent i would say in eating breakfast and having a snack lunch a snack and then dinner and a snack would be huge and then like i was talking about how being into the math equation being be disciplined enough to track what you're eating and have a food log and, and spend the money to consult with the dietitian because that's really where you're going to make the most gains and that's probably one of the best things you can invest in as, a, as an athlete at any level to ensure that you're doing everything possible to uh, to recover and, and replenish for the following days in the training sessions to come. I know at the college level, it's like uh, an unwritten truth um, that after the workout, you need to slam a protein shake. It, it's something that I think, you know, a large majority of athletes, and maybe, you know, out, outside of like the East Carolina level where you've got a nutritionist, but at the lower, at the levels where you don't have a nutritionist, it's, um, it's something I think a lot of guys do. Guys that are trying to add weight, they you know they they feel like it's an absolute must at the end of the workout uh, to have a protein shake or some kind of a shake right after you lift. And then you know a lot of guys also buy into before the workout. You they they want to take some sort of a supplement to like uh, I guess to pump them up, some kind of like a pre-workout shake or, or pre-workout whatever it is. What are your thoughts generally speaking on supplements? Um, how necessary it is to to drink a protein shake or something at the end of a workout, and and maybe what you recommend to your guys. I know and you're not the nutritionist, and I'm try, not trying to steal the conversation that way, but uh, but just how important are those things uh, to kind of maximize your gains in the weight room? Yeah. So my my thought process is uh, food first always when when possible. Um, life kind of gets in the way at times, and and that's not always. Uh, realistic options. So I, th- I think those protein shakes and why they've become so po- uh, popular is because we can we can get calories in our, our athletes quickly. Uh, they can be absorbed quickly, but 
it's not absorbed as well as food. Um, and that's something Christina's taught me and, and some of the nutritionists and dietitians I've worked with in the past. But if we can get food, our, our body uh, is meant to, to extract those nutrients um, from our food a lot better than they are liquids. So whenever we can get real food, quality food, that's, that's always our number one goal. Um, if, we, if we have somebody who does need to gain 15 to 20 pounds because of, you know, where, where they're at developmentally, um, yeah, it's a great opportunity to, to get, those, get those calories in, but it's not a substitute. And that, that's where I think, Jeff, that's kind of why I was pausing there with my thought, was I, I think a lot of, of athletes at, at all levels at times believe, well, I just have my protein shake, I don't need to eat. Um, and then that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, it, a supplement is exactly what it is. It's a supplement to your diet. It's not in exchange for your current diet. So if you supplement a poor diet, you still have a poor diet. And the, the way that you're, you're going to combat those things is, is to plan and be prepared. So if, if you are busy, like most people are nowadays, you've got a lot of things going on. If you, if you have meals ready, meal prep throughout the, during the weekend and have meals ready throughout the week. You can you know, have your protein shake as you leave the gym, go back to the locker room, take a shower, you know, get home about an hour later than you can eat, and, and you're just going to set yourself up for success if you plan and, and be prepared. Let's stick on the nutrition side of things for a little bit. or or Actually, let's, let's flip the switch so we don't spend too much time on, on that. Uh, I, I do want to talk, and so I don't forget about this. <laughs> I do want to talk about sleep, and uh, and how big of a role that plays um, in your discussions with your athletes. What are some things, some guidelines that you're that you're kind of giving or recommending, or whether it's you or the nutritionist on the team or whoever it is? What are some guidelines that East Carolina players get, if anything, uh, as far as recommended amounts of sleep, or just what exactly guys need to do? Um, because one of your roles on the on the website, we've you and I have talked about this. Before, but one of your roles on the website is to help your athletes, help baseball players to recover, whether it's from a game or from a from a from a lift. And I know you kind of have a whole team of people that are working on that. Um, but but how big of a role does the sleep play in the recovery, in um, uh, just the gains that guys are trying to make, and and being fresh and ready for the next day? How much of a role does sleep play? It's a huge role. Uh, it, it's it's a very big component. Our head athletic trainer is the baseball athletic trainer in East Carolina, Zach Wormack, and he he does an awesome job of he'll send out articles of, you know, why we sleep and what's going on during sleep and, and how the hormonal response and how various uh, hormones are excreted during sleep and how that's really when you're making the gains is while you sleep. So people are really getting stronger and recovering. Tissues are being repaired from the micro tears from a training session or for a practice or, you know, a doubleheader or whatever the case may be. Um, your body's repairing itself while you sleep. So uh, there, there's various things that go along into that. And, and one thing that I want to kind of touch on is, is the circadian rhythm because that's something that, that people can kind of understand if they do a little bit more research on it. But the way the, the body works and it's in regards to when the sun rises and the sun falls so when when the sun rises we're meant to wake up and when the you know the sun goes down we are meant to, to fall and go to sleep and that's why 
Um, you know, people would try to make their rooms with these blackout blinds, and these curtains have been so popular lately because people are trying to make their their rooms um, almost like caves. You want the temperature cooler than you want it, you know, in the rest of the house if possible, and, you know, if not, you just wear a sweatshirt. Um, you want it dark. You want no disturbances, and something that I've actually done, it's a pretty cool, cool thing, but I have an alarm clock that slowly wakes me up with light, so it, it mimics the um, the sunrise, and believe it or not, that's something that's, that's helped me be a lot more consistent with when I wake up and when I go to sleep each night. So along with the the amount of hours that they get, we, we recommend that they go to bed and wake up every night and every morning as close to the same time as possible because, because of that circadian rhythm and because you allow your body to get on, get in a cycle and a routine, and it's a lot more effective when, when those things are in place. You're going to have to give me some suggestions on where to find this sunrise uh, alarm clock because... Amazon. Amazon, baby. That's where you find everything. Nice. Because I... Uh, sometimes you hate saying things like this because you, you feel like, I don't know, people are going to judge you, but there's probably a lot of people out there that are like this. I, for whatever reason, as I've gotten older, have gotten more accustomed to hitting the snooze when like when I was in college uh like or even I blame my wife actually because <laughs> when, I, when I met my wife I was not a, a snooze hit it when you know I knew how much sleep I needed I'd set the alarm when the alarm went off I'd get up and like she right. would like to hit the snooze and and she's kind of got me in, in that habit so hopefully she doesn't listen to this um <laughs> but I, I'll blame her but maybe that's a like I've been, I've been trying to think of something to do, something different. Like, what can I, what can I do differently? And I don't have a great answer, but maybe this will be uh, something I could do. Actually, when you and I spoke before, I thought maybe I should just open my curtains in my room because we do have the blackout curtains, and uh, mm-hmm. if I just open those up and let the sunlight wake me up in the morning when there is sunlight. <laughs> right, yeah. uh, all right, so I, I want to kind of um, stick on in the on the path we've been on for a little bit. Is there a difference, should there be a difference for someone who's working out who wants to uh, maybe drop weights, not necessarily the right phrase, but that wants to clean up their body and needs to get a little bit leaner and stronger uh, as opposed to somebody who's kind of, you know, the typical 15, 16-year-old who's pretty scrawny and wants to add weight? Is there a difference in the workout they should be performing or will a good workout sort of produce the desired results for anybody, whatever end of the spectrum that you're, that you're on currently, you know, um, in comparison to where you want to go? Yeah. So again, those, those movement patterns will be great for anybody that's trying to, you know, gain weight, whether it's muscle or, or lose that weight, um, whether it's, it's not, it's adipose tissue or whatever the case may be. But the biggest thing with, with having different goals is having a different uh, volume and intensity, which is basically sets and reps. And, and how can we manage those? And how can we manage rest times? And shorten those rest times for somebody who's trying to work on fat loss, and, and you know, extend some of those rest times for somebody who's working on strength, and and then you know, having somewhere in the middle for somebody who's working on hypertrophy. So, really, rest intervals, sets and reps, uh, those variations can be can be huge. Um, when trying to accomplish different goals. But as far as the exercises themselves go, like specifically, no, not necessarily. I think everybody can pretty much do similar movements, but it's, it's how those movements are done and how many of them are done and, and what time frame. For some players that are out there that 
are are skinnier guys, particularly pitchers. You know, baseball likes we like tall pitchers, and when young guys are tall and they're still growing, a lot of them have trouble, you know, really putting on any weight. But I know sometimes that uh, there is the perception for a young pitcher that I don't want to get too bulky. You know, I'm 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 six foot three, 150 pounds, 160 pounds, and I'm throwing pretty hard. And I, I'm afraid that if I, if I lift, I'm going to get tight, and I'm not going to throw as hard. I'm going to lose some of the things that are making me throw hard right now. Uh, is, is that to you a misconception? And, and how would you kind of react to someone if, you know, if someone that came to ECU uh, that kind of had that mentality, and you were having that conversation? What would that conversation be? Yeah, that's a huge misconception. And what I would, I would tell them is. If, if they're the person that you just described, it's six three, uh, you know, 150, 160 pounds, and then that's a big time bomb if they're throwing hard. If they're currently throwing hard at that weight and that height, like that's that's frightening to me because of <clears throat> because of how like, the forces that are applied to the body. Um, the human body is not meant to throw a baseball at 90 plus miles an hour, but we do it all the time, and, and people are pretty healthy doing it. But over the long haul of a career. Um, you're going to get retroversion of the shoulder, which is just basically the ability for – and throughout a playing season, which is basically the ability uh, for that shoulder to externally rotate, and then there's just more movement in that shoulder and just more range of motion. And if you add that on top of not being able to put the brakes on, so basically we can take a step back and look at this. Most people don't have a problem applying the gas or, or – putting force into the ground when their foot's on the rubber and they're trying to push down the mound to, to ball release and, and let the ball come out. But it, it's when when your body's trying to slow off that momentum down going towards home plate, that's when so your body's not going to let it speed something up that it can't slow down. So if you don't have the brakes to slow that down, which is what strength and the ability to apply force accept force and reproduce force will, will allow you to do, and that's the whole purpose of, of weight training for, you know, a pitcher and, and any athlete is to be able to withstand the forces that you're going to be demanded of um, in your game and in a sport on the mound. Have you ever seen a, a – is there is there any truth whatsoever to, like, to just a, a pitcher could be uh, too, too big or, like, for example, if you're a first baseman – like, should the goals be different than a pitcher? Like, and you, I mean, you see big pitchers in the in the big leagues, which to me is always like that's a, a good way to combat that. You know, the argument of I don't want to get too big or bulky. Like, there are guys that are every shape and size on the mound in the major leagues that are throwing hard. But is there anything that um, like different positions should maybe be thinking about? Um, you know, should a, should a should a shortstop or a center fielder be trying to have a be you know have a different plan or goal? Than, than say a first baseman should be or, or a DH kind of kind of guy like at, at ECU do you focus on that at all based on their position um, or and I, I don't want to get like too far down this this rabbit hole but just kind of curious for for people because I think these are questions that some people have you know I'm a, I'm a shortstop you know my game is to run fast and to and to play defense and I don't need to really focus that much in the weight room so just kind of curious if those are conversations that you have with guys and if the, the position that you play should have any impact whatsoever on what you're doing in the weight room or what your goals are. Uh, yeah, but we want our we want our middle infielders to be able to move um, move quickly um, to be able to sit, put a foot in the ground, and, and move properly to field the ball. Same thing with our 
our, uh, our center fielder and our corner outfielders. Um, we want our, our DHs, our big guys, to be able to get up there and, and mash and hit the ball and, and do the things that they need to do. But I think for for us, what, what we're really trying to do here at East Carolina is, is, is to make sure all of those people are interchangeable. Uh, we have we have more two-way guys here at ECU than I've ever had in my career, and it's phenomenal. Like our shortstop will come in and help pitch. Our third baseman can come to pitch. Our first baseman, left fielder, at times is our Friday night pitcher. So um, it's a little bit different than a lot of other places I've been as far as that. Uh, and there's more. We have more guys that can get up on the mountains row. We have some freshmen that are very talented that are going to be you know, filling those roles here soon. But um, really it's just the demand of the sport and what do they need to do. It just goes back to me being at practice, and, and I'll take I'll pick up basically Coach Gowling and I talked to in the fall of this past year of, of you know, me being at practice and using that time better to you know, help us help us make our players better. Um, and I'll take a notebook out of practice and I'll pick the group, whether it's the, the middle infielders, the left-handed pitchers, the catchers, and I'll just watch everything they do um, that day and take notes on it. And, you know, our staff with Ms. Beth, like our head athletic trainer, and you know our whole entire baseball staff. We we have such a good relationship and, a, and an open line of communication where I'll be standing there watching something. I'll take notes on something, and you know we all have a, a locker room together out there in the field, so we're really together a lot, especially in season. So those questions and those conversations flow naturally. To where that's really how we're um, individualizing a lot of the things that we're doing. And then Coach Gowler and I meet and talk all the time about what we need specific guys to do to, to make sure that they're helping us and helping themselves get better, helping us as the team improve. All right, this is kind of an aside again from the podcast, but for whatever reason there, like in that answer, you were there were times when you were breaking up a little bit. I, I don't know. Um, can yeah, you well, hear me okay? Before, I could, but before I answered, it was like, hey, but again, but it was like doing some weird like weird connection yeah it was there too but now you sound perfectly fine so um okay so, so we should be fine sorry man you're like getting tested okay. in every possible way with this podcast <laughs> it's all good okay all right let's jump to the next question um i've written down my notes there for the editor brandon is there a time of the day that works best or that is recommended to to work out does the body you know, respond better to morning lifts, nighttime lifts. Um, you know, I know that some schools are, aren't going to have their, their choice necessarily just because of big school, small weight room, or whatever it is. If, if, a, if a team shares a weight room with somebody else, especially at like a JUCO level or whatever, they might not have a choice. But, uh, you know, for you and your research, is there a certain time of the day that maybe is optimal for, uh, for a guy uh, to make sure he's uh, maximizing gains? Yeah, um, yeah, there is, and there's, there's, there's research and evidence that will support both sides, and it's really, um, it's based on, and this answer isn't as clear cut as I wish it was, but there's different people that, that circadian rhythm, basically, that I was just talking about, when, when people are, when their hormonal responses inside the body are, are peaking, so we want to be able to use those as much as possible, generally speaking. Um, the morning, the mid-morning is, is, a, is a great time because the body goes through uh, peaks and troughs and 
one of those troughs is right after lunchtime, which is why most people are tired right after lunch. Uh, but if you can get get your training and ses- training session in before then, you're, you should be pretty good. Um, also, you know, throughout the day, you know, testosterone is, is normally the highest towards the, the morning time, so that, that can also be uh, you know a huge benefit to training before lunchtime if possible. This is maybe a little bit of an offbeat type of question, but for a program out there that that uh, maybe there there are restrictions or or whatever about when they can get together with their players. Do you have any? Is it a big deal uh, for a team to get together maybe at like six a.m. and lift, or or like in the off season? I know there are programs that will get their players together at six o'clock in the morning and and they'll do some conditioning, and that's partly to you know. I think there's more than one thing to it, but part of that can be to get them out of bed, um, to test them a little bit mentally, to you know, to, to give them a little bit of a mental test in that. But is there is there any reason to stay away from those if possible, like the extreme early morning type stuff? And I guess six o'clock isn't like extreme extreme, but it's not late <laughs> for the college right. kids. Six a.m. is pretty early. Um, is there any reason to to try to avoid those, or do those? Do you think that that can be you know, plenty effective and not not be uh, detrimental to the team. It, that, that's a great question because you hear about that stuff all the time, and I think that goes back to the the culture of the program and what it is that the head coach um, is trying to facilitate and what they're trying to to get out of it. Because what strength coaches are is uh, we're, we're a support staff, um, especially at the college level. Um, I'm supporting the vision of Coach Godwin and Coach Hamilton with their programs, and that's that's what it is. And, that, and I'm doing, and I'm referred to as the expert in my field, and I get to go in there and you know have conversations, and we, we talk about what the best plan is for our uh, for our athletes. But at the end of the day, it's their programs, so you you have to understand that first and foremost, um, and be comfortable in that situation. Um, but getting back to answering that question is, it, it depends, really. Um, and it can be a positive thing. It can be a negative thing. It's all situation specific. Like, we we get our guys up here early from time to time. And it's just like you said, to, to test them a little bit, to see where they're at mentally. Can they can they push through things? I mean, in uh, the 2019 regional, we had to, we had to win. We lost game one. We had to win four games. And, um, three days, and we had to. Our backs were against the wall. We had like a seven point eight percent chance of winning that regional. We did it, and uh, you know some of some of the the, the attributes to that, or, or some of the ways that we train. And you know, Coach Godwin is a very big believer in making sure that you know we're mentally tough, and 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 I am as well. And and I, I when I say that, I think people sometimes look at mental toughness as either it's a really good thing or it's a really bad thing. Um, and, and how to train that is, is one or the other. I think anytime you're training, I think anytime you're practicing, I think anytime you're doing something physically, you can be training mental toughness, um, if that makes sense. So there's never a point in time where the mental aspect of it isn't involved because our brains are so so intuitive and so interconnected that People have been researching the brain for years, and we still don't understand everything that's involved with the, the electrical signals and everything that goes into it. So the mental aspect of baseball in particular is it's huge. 
because, like everybody says, when you're walking up to the box or you're, you're walking up from the bullpen onto the mound, you want to feel like you're 10 foot tall and bulletproof. So when you fall back to your training of I've done this and, and I've worked my butt off and I've woke up at 6 a.m. and I've ran or I've slept in until 10 and I've gone out and got after it, whatever the case may be, your your end goal is is when we when, when the lights come on when we lose game one of a regional like there if you looked around the dugout if you looked around the, the team room there was no doubt in my mind that we were going to put our best foot forward now did we think we, did we know we were going to win the regional I don't know that we knew I, I knew we were going to give it our, our best damn chance and whoever we were playing was going to have a tough time because we we weren't just going to lay down because we were mentally tough because we were talented and and we were playing at home. Um, so that's kind of my thought process on that is, is I don't think it's good. I don't think it's bad. I think it's situation specific. Now, if you don't have a culture where your guys are, are bought into you as a coach and you're trying to change the culture, that may be something that you have to kind of wait on or it may be something where you say, you know what, I, I need to do this now to to get my culture to where I, or where I needed to be. I, I think that's a, a question that, Coaches will kind of have to answer for themselves, and what are they what are they comfortable with, and what are their beliefs? Because that's the the biggest thing with when you're training people, um, regardless of their age, they have to believe in you and they have to trust you. And if you don't believe in yourself and in your methods, there's no way that, that your athletes will. They'll see right through. They're a very very smart group of people, um, and a lot of them want to understand the why. And if if you have them doing something and you can't give them a why. You just lost credibility. Um, it, it takes it takes a long time to, to build that credibility up, and it takes a very very short amount of time to ruin it. So that's my best piece of advice on that: is to make sure that you're staying true to your beliefs and that you can explain the why. In your experience, does the weight room play, or maybe why does it play a part in? building mental toughness, and even team camaraderie. Uh, I'm a believer that that the team really can use the weight room as a way to trust one another, to build trust in each other, um, to trust your teammates, which I, I think is, is in baseball something that is uh, maybe overlooked sometimes by some people and maybe not, not enough weight is put on that, you know, for a teammate to trust another teammate. For example... Uh, you know, for just for a hitter to uh, that thinks he's pretty good, if he if some, if they're going to kind of pitch around him, you know, he's got to be confident that that guy behind him is going to get it done in order to not expand the strike zone. And, and same with a guy that's coming out of the game uh, from the mound, or maybe he maybe he wants to go in, but the, the, the coach calls on a teammate instead. To, you know, to have some trust in your teammates is the weight room somewhere that you believe that that can happen, or do you think that maybe that is something that is uh, that is just that is overstated a little bit? No, I think I think 100% it can happen, and I think it does happen with us. Um, it's it's shared shared adversity. Um, anytime you go through adversity, it, it it does one or two things that makes you better or you break. So um, we we throw a lot of adversity to our players because we want them to be ready to to play in front of the, some of the biggest crowds in the country and to be able to go out there and respond and to take a deep breath and say, you know, I've been here, I've, I've had adversity before. It's just go out there and execute and you know fall back to that level of training. One, more, one or two more questions here, Brandon, and then I'll I'll let you I'll let you go for the day. 
Uh, and I like to bring up experiences from my past because I figure that the experiences that I've had as a coach are similar experiences to what other coaches have had. Uh, I coached a team once that might have been the best team pertaining to their, you know, comparative to the level that we were playing, but uh, maybe the best team that I've ever coached, the most the most talented team I've ever coached potentially. Uh, they, as a group, did not like to stretch <laughs> before we played. Um, they, they, they just they didn't really buy in as a group. And I don't know if it was driven by a, a couple guys who were sort of vocal leaders on the team that, that and the other guys kind of followed them. I don't know where, where exactly how it got to that point, but they, just, they didn't like the dynamic stretch at the beginning of practice. They felt like, well, we're young and we're, you know, we're in good shape. We don't wake up uh, sore in the morning like you old guys do, and, and we can just come out here and, and kind of you know, uh, lace up and, and play. Um, do you have any thoughts about that? Is that you know about is about the importance that people should place on that? The importance of a dynamic warm up before you play, and I kind of get it to a point in baseball. It's not you know it's not football. It's not basketball. But there's a lot of standing around in baseball. If you're an outfielder, I mean. You might jog out there between innings, and, and you might go six, seven, eight innings without getting a ball. Where you're jogging on and off the field, and you're kind of waiting, you know, waiting your turn in the dugout. There can be a long time where your body, uh, you know, the I guess the, one of the points of a dynamic warm up is to get your body temperature up. But there's a lot of time where you're kind of standing around, and the, the body temperature can go back down. How important is it for baseball players to uh, to work on or, or to make it a priority to have a, a good dynamic warm up before you play? To kind of get your body temperature up, get you know, get heated, get a little sweaty, uh, or is that something that you think uh, again is another thing that maybe a lot of coaches put too much emphasis on? No, I think I, I definitely believe it's important. Uh, we do it every day, whether that's practice or the games, um, and, and that is a that is something that we do have to deal with in, in our game. That um, you know, you you never know when your name's going to be called. You could sit for the first seven innings and you're going in in the eighth or ninth to to play defense or to to have a you know pitch at bat to to help us win a game. So what we do is we you know we're constantly having guys move around. If we're at home, they'll go you know underneath. We got to see that you know guys will move around a little bit. We'll kind of you know just do whatever we need to do. Guys jog down to the foul pole in between innings, jumping jacks in the dugout. Got guys doing stuff down in the bullpen. I'll go down to the bullpen a lot with some of our guys and. Uh, one of our graduate managers, Caleb Marin, and you know, does a great job with making sure our guys are doing their dynamic warm, warm up in the bullpen to to uh, make sure that their bodies are hot. So as soon as you know Coach Deeds and Coach Ugalwood decide that we're going to go to somebody else, that they're they're ready to roll and whenever they need to start throwing, he he does an unbelievable job managing all of that stuff. And then I just get to go down there and say, hey, just start jogging now, and just tell them little things. So yeah, Caleb's a huge aspect to us in that aspect, but. As far as the dynamic goes, I think it, it, it's a, but kind of like we were just talking about it. It's not just a physical thing. It's a, it's a mental thing of turning the light switch on, being ready to go. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, it's time to go to work look on our guys' faces when we're doing our dynamic. Um, it's one of those things of, hey, we're ready to play. We're ready to practice. It's, it's time to go. So I, I think along with, uh, a physical standpoint of getting the body warm before we're, we're going to go out there and swing or throw or whatever we're going to do. Um, it's also a mental thing, and it's, it's also an education thing for certain coaches. If if you can have, like, we'll, we'll warm up and then we'll go right into base running, or we'll, or we'll warm up and we'll go right into throwing and if, we're, if we're practicing, and uh, we'll warm up and then we'll go right into, to, you know, hitting and, and BP on, on game day. So it's 
our coaches have everything lined up the best they possibly can to make sure our guys are moving around and they're ready to go. Um, and it's having the, the ability to do that. So um, do they have the ability to do with it what you need them to do throughout practice and, and then warm up for a game? It's, it's not just uh, we're going to warm up, go sit down for a couple hours, play a game, not do anything in between innings. I, I think if the – the typical or the old old way of oh, well we're just going to jog out there between innings like those are some of the teams that bring in guys and that's when games are lost uh, towards the end of the game is if that person wasn't ready to come to the game so um, our coaches do a great job making sure that they're they're giving as much time as they can and obviously they're not um, they can't read the future and say when somebody's going to go into a game but. If we have guy, a guy that's normally going to pinch run for us or a guy, if we know that they're bringing a certain guy, a certain, like right-hander or left-hander, into the game from the bullpen, like we'll have you know, a certain guy getting warmed up, getting sweaty, doing jumping jack, swinging a bat, whatever the case may be. So if his name does get called, he's ready to go. I, I like that, and I, and I agree. That, you know, I, I'm a big uh, believer in – in just in transitions, physical transitions, and, and helping uh, using the physical transitions to sort of help your mind to flip the switch. And, you know, guys, they come into the locker room and they're kind of getting dressed before the game, and, and I think that it's important to kind of flip a switch and get into competition mode for practice or for games. And, and to me, um, I, I'm sure I heard someone say that at one point and kind of bought into that, but the dynamic stretch, the beginning of the dynamic warm-up can be just your time to sort of uh, get into a place mentally where you're ready to go into competition and, and you kind of flip that switch. And, uh, you know, kind of the same along along the lines at the end of the game. You know, I kind of like the idea of, uh, you know, when the game's over, you keep a jersey on until you're ready to get rid of that game. And sometimes you have a bad game, you, you leave your jersey on for a little longer so you can just sort of process it and, and, the, and use the physical transition of taking the jersey off and, and kind of taking your uniform off, putting your street clothes back on, that, like, that's when you're ready to kind of, you know, move on from it and start thinking about tomorrow. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I believe in that stuff, and I'm I, uh, uh, good to know, I guess, that some other people kind of feel that same thing. Um, this is Brandon Golden, everybody. He's an assistant strength coach at East Carolina. He is the baseball strength coach at ECU and a really good one. Um, really blessed to have you on the podcast today. You've shared so much good information that I think if a, if a young guy or, or a high school coach who is also the strength coach might have been listening to this, there's so many good nuggets to pick up uh, to help yourself, to help other people, or if you are that young player to kind of help yourself. And, and some good tips there. So, Brandon, thank you so much for the time that you put into this podcast today and uh, sincerely appreciate uh, all the information you shared. Absolutely, Jeff. Thanks for having me.